Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Many of us are familiar with the prophet Isaiah, and I don't know about you when you read the Bible, but uh, sometimes I just uh, I look at the passage and I read the passage, or I'm familiar uh, with uh, the story. And I'm familiar with uh, just the Bible in general, but there are many things that are uh, left unsaid or unclear. Isaiah, if you read in the very first book, uh, first verse of this book, you find that he prophesied during the time of four different kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Uh, Uzziah was a king and he reigned over the southern kingdom Judah for 52 years. Jotham, he reigned 16 years. And Ahaz, he reigned 16 years. And then Hezekiah, he reigned for 29 years. And while it's unclear exactly when Isaiah was born, I, I think it's likely that he was born during the reign of King Uzziah. That he was born when Uzziah was already the king. He was already reigning, and and we find out later that he continued prophesying through the reigns of three other kings, but Uzziah was most likely born during this time when Uzziah was the king. This was probably the only life that he was really familiar with, the southern kingdom with Uzziah being the king, with a stable leader, And, and the Bible describes Uzziah as being a good king, as being a righteous king. The Bible says that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And Isaiah, obviously being a prophet, would have praised the Lord for that. That he had a king who loved him as much as he did. That he had a king who wanted to do what was right, just like he wanted to do what was right. And so I imagine that, of course, uh, when King Uzziah died, it was a great time of mourning for many in the, in the whole kingdom. For his family, for those that worked with him, those that worked under him, for every member of that kingdom, it would have been a time of mourning. But I imagine so, especially for Isaiah, that he was under great uh, grief, that he mourned greatly for King Uzziah, because he was a good king, and he had his flaws, and the Bible records that. He made some poor, poor decisions later in life, and it cost him greatly with his health, But nevertheless, he was a good king. I'm sure that King Uzziah's death was a significant point in Isaiah's life. There are certain things that you remember very clearly because they're very poignant. They hit you very strongly or they're great moments of joy or great moments of sadness. You have your highlights and your valleys. Maybe the day that, uh, you know, you you got married. Uh, For me, I got married in 2014 that was a highlight. It's a distinct memory in my life. And, and when Skylar was born, that was also a, a distinct memory. And those are the things that, no matter what else happens, you remember those and they stay with you. And those are kind of the mile markers in your life so oftentimes. When I was uh, a student, the mile markers were simply making it through another year. Finally being done with high school and graduating and finally being done with another semester, being done with college and graduating. There were significant milestones and I'm sure that in Isaiah's life, though this was a valley, it would have been a milestone in his life. 
And here in this time, I can imagine that he's mourning greatly. He's grieving. And he's unsure about what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the next few years? What's going to happen to our kingdom? What's going to happen to me, the prophet? But it says here in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. In the year that my leader died, I saw also the Lord. And in seeing the Lord, he saw an eternal God. He said, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. And yes, Uzziah had died. And yes, it was a transition time for the kingdom. And and he wasn't sure what was going to happen. But here he saw that the Lord was still on the throne. He saw that the Lord was still alive and well. He saw that nothing had changed with God. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8, we see that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. We also see the enthroned God. That he saw that the Lord was sitting upon his throne. Upon the throne of heaven. The throne that only the King of kings and the Lord of lords can sit in. And he saw that God was still on his throne. He saw that God was still in control. We see that he was sitting in his throne. He wasn't pacing around his throne Isaiah may have been a little worried, but God wasn't worried. And maybe Isaiah was a little fidgety and and wondering what was going to happen, but God was not fidgeting. He knew exactly what was going to happen. In Mark chapter 4, verse 40, Jesus is with his disciples, and the disciples are in a boat, and the boat is about to sink, and they wake him up and say, Do you not care that we are about to perish? And Jesus responds, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? This is the kind of God that we serve. Who's not fearful of anything. Who's not worried about anything. He also saw that God was elevated. That God was lifted up. Isaiah may have been concerned because, of course, Uzziah was the king. And Uzziah, being the king, exerted great influence. And how the king went, the kingdom also often went. That's why we often pay so great attention to the presidential election because of the height of the position. There are many other positions that were up for election this year, but we paid the most attention to the presidential one. Why? Because it is the highest position uh, being um, available for election. But we see that God was higher than that. That God was above the king. That God was higher than that and he saw that he was still there. He saw that God was still on his throne, that God was still lifted up. And and I don't know what's going on in your life today. I don't know what trials you are facing. I don't know what difficulties you come home to maybe every day or maybe when you leave your home, the things that you face every single day. But I wonder, do you also see the Lord? I know that you see your problems. I know you see what's going on in your life around you. But I wonder, do you also see the Lord? Because we need to also see the Lord. We need to see God. No matter the financial problems that are in our life, we need to also see the Lord. And no matter the family problems that are in our life, we need to also see the Lord. Or do we only see the problems in our life? Do we only see the difficulties in our life? Or do we also see the Lord. 
And when Isaiah saw also the Lord, we, saw, we see three results that came from that. Number one, we see that when Isaiah saw the Lord and when we see also the Lord, we see with perspective. Verses 1 through 4, Isaiah describes what he saw. He saw the Lord and he saw the seraphims and he saw uh, the, the throne and he saw heaven and, and he describes what he saw. And in verse number 5 it says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. The view of God gave Isaiah some perspective that he did not have before. It gave him a new viewpoint that he had not had before. If you will, it gave him something to compare with. You ever go and you buy a brand new uh, pack of you know, white shirts or white socks? You buy them and you bring them home and you start using them. And uh, because you use them and, and they, they all get used equally and they all get washed equally, they all kind of begin to look the same and, and you, you see your white socks and you call them your white socks until you go back to the store because you need new white socks. You've worn some holes or some, somewhere some sock disappears, right? Inevitably some sock disappears and nobody knows why that sock disappears, but you're missing a pair so you've got to throw away the other one and and you, you get that new pair, or you get those new socks, or those new shirts, or whatever it might be, you bring it home, and then you realize that you wash them, and you put them all in your drawer together, but you can tell which is your old socks and which are your new socks. You can tell the ones that are worn, they're, they're called white socks, but they're not white anymore, they're a little ivory. They're a little off color, because they've been worn, they've been dirty, but because they were all together this whole time, you may not have noticed it until you got something that was brand new. And you brought it in to compare, and now you see the difference. And Isaiah, in, in living in Israel, he could see everybody around, and, and everybody was the same, and, and they were all sinners, and they were all humans, and it wasn't until he saw the Lord that he got some perspective, that he began to see who he really was. And when he saw with perspective, he saw his undone self. And we also will see our undone selves. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Isaiah was a prophet. He was used of God, and God recorded his word through this man. But when he compared himself with God, Isaiah saw himself as undone. He saw himself as failing to meet the standard. He saw himself as not good enough. He saw himself as a sinner. Because in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of us may be better than others, quote unquote, based on our standards, but when we compare ourselves with the Lord, we see with the right perspective that we all fall short of the glory of God. And we also see our unclean speech in verse 5. It says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. He saw the Lord. And he saw the seraphims. And, and he saw the, the words that were coming out of their mouths. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when he saw the words being spoken about the Lord and and he considered his own words, he saw that he had unclean speech. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. 
And in considering the words of his mouth, he understood that it was a reflection of his heart. That the unclean speech of his mouth, the words that came out of his mouth, were a reflection of the unclean heart that he had inside of him. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When he saw the Lord, he saw his undone self, he saw his unclean speech, and he also saw his unacceptable society. He says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am, the man, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Not only did Isaiah see himself to be unclean, to see himself as a sinner, he saw everybody else for who they were too, that they were all sinners as well. There are many things that go on in our society. There are many things that go on in our country. There are many um, videos and many um, you know, just uh, blog posts and articles and, and uh, music and entertainment and all sorts of things that you see in our culture. And, and many of you that is just being acceptable. That's fine. It's just the way that it is. And, and many people will just uh, you know, brush it off and say, well, that's just the way things are these days and times are changing and things like that. But I believe that when we see also the Lord, we can't help but also see the sin. We see the sin in us, and we see the sin around us as well. And when we see also the Lord, we see with perspective. We see our undone selves, and we see our unclean speech, and we see our unacceptable society, but we also see our undeserved saving. In verse number 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Here is Isaiah. He recognizes him for who he is, the sin in his heart, and the sin in his life, and the sin in his lips. But God comes to him, And offers him cleansing. And offers him a way to be saved from his sin. And I'm so glad that when God gives us that perspective, that it's not just for us to wallow in our our lowest state. It's not just about us feeling inadequate or being insufficient or not making the standard that God shows us with perspective who we really are so that He could save us. So that He could cleanse us. Because if you don't think that you need to be cleansed, then you're not going to go to God for cleansing. Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says, When Jesus heard it, He saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Speaking about the Pharisees. Not that they were without sin, but they considered themselves to be without sin. They consider themselves to be whole. They consider themselves as not needing any help, not needing a physician, not needing any healing. But God wants to show us Himself so that when we also see the Lord, we see us for who we really are. And when we see us for who we really are, we can go to the Lord for cleansing. And we can go to the Lord and be saved. And we can call upon Jesus Christ to be our Savior because we understand that we need saving. That we have a sin that will take us to a devil's hell, that will take us to eternal punishment, and that we need somebody to save us. 
We need Jesus to save us. And when we see also the Lord, we see with perspective. But number two, I also see that when we see also the Lord, we seize the possibility. Verse number eight, after Isaiah had received this cleansing that God had offered to him, he says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He became aware of the insufficiency. In seizing the possibility, he was aware of the insufficiency. When Isaiah saw also the Lord, he realized that there was something missing. That there was a need in his country. That there was a need among his people. That there was a need in his cities. Usually we're aware of the needs that are in our lives and in our cities and in our communities. We're aware of the things that we need to replace, that we need to replenish. We're aware that we're out of gas. We need to go get some more gas. We know that. We're running low and we we need more. We're aware that our refrigerator is empty and now we need to go get more food. We know of that need. We know that we need new shoes. We know that we need a new car. We we know that we need a, a new job maybe or The universal need, we all need more money, don't we? We all need more money. We're aware of the needs in our lives. But sometimes we can be so unaware of the spiritual needs of our lives. Sometimes we can be so unaware of really what it is that we need in our life. We can be so blind to the fact that we need the Holy Spirit working in our life and We've been living without Him and we're okay with that. We're not even aware that we needed that. We can be unaware of our need for prayer and unaware of our need to get into the Scriptures. We don't even know that we have that need. In John chapter 4, verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Here are the disciples concerned with all of the things that are going on and and what they were supposed to do. And Jesus says, you need to lift up your eyes and see the need that is out there. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's a need. There's a need in our lives. There's a need in our churches. There's a need in our communities. There's a need in our cities. There's a need today. There's a need in our families for husbands who will love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There's a need in our families for wives to submit to their own husbands as unto the Lord. There's a need for fathers and mothers to raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And there is a need for children to obey their parents in the Lord for this is right. And there is a need for our church to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. There's a need for giving in our churches. There's a need for serving in our church. There's a need for forgiveness in our church. There's a need for Jesus Christ to be lifted up high. There is a need for us to have forgiveness of our sins, that we need to turn away from some of the sins we've been uh, holding on to. There is a need. And when we see also the Lord, we become aware of the need. But also I see an availability of the individual. When Jesus saw the need, 
he made himself available to the Lord. When he saw also the Lord, he saw the need, he saw the opportunity, and he made himself available. God said, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah, in in seeing the need, in seeing also the Lord, responded, here am I, send me. And when you see the need, when you see also the Lord, I believe that you also will make yourself available. And we need to make ourselves available to the Lord. We need to make ourselves available to God. We need some believers who will say, here am I, send me. We need some fathers who will say, here am I, send me. We need some mothers who will say, here am I, send me. We need some children who will say, here am I, send me. We need some college students who will say, here am I, send me. We need some single people to say, here am I, send me. We need some parents who will say, here am I, send me. We need some children who will say, here am I, send me. We need some believers who will say, here am I, send me. I don't know where you're going to send me. I don't know where you're going to have me to go. But here am I. Send me. We see an availability of the individual, but also we see an abiding by the instruction. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And in verse number 9, and he said, Go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Isaiah offers himself to the Lord. Here am I. I'm ready. I'm available. You need somebody to send? Send me. I'll be sent. And God gives him some instruction. God gives him some clear instruction. You need to go and tell this people, and he gives some instruction. When you see the Lord, you see the need. You answer the call. But also, we need to be abiding by the instruction. I have an iPhone, and I use it often. I use it every day, and uh, every year I get a software update. Every year. They, they come out with a new thing every year. And, and throughout the year, sometimes they have little updates. But every year, at least once a year, I get an update. And it pops up. There's a little thing. There's a new version that comes out. You should, and, you, know, you should download this. So I click OK, and it takes me to the little screen and says, you know, it gives me all of these instructions. And one of the things that comes up is the page with the terms and conditions. You ever see that page? You ever try to scroll through the entire page? You're scrolling forever. It's really, really long. So you know what people do? They don't scroll. They just click agree. Okay. I don't know what it says, but okay. I'll do it. But if you read towards the top, I'll give you a confession up uh, up front. I didn't know that it said this because I didn't read far enough to know that it said this. It says at the top, I had to look this up later. Please read this software license agreement carefully before using your iOS device or downloading the software update accompanying this license. How many of you did not know that it even said that? (laughs) Don't we all just, okay, agree, and we don't even know. 
It says, by using your iOS device or downloading a software update as applicable, you are agreeing to be bound by the terms of this license. If you do not agree to the terms of this license, do not use the iOS device or download the software update. We don't really care. We just click OK. I don't care. I'm not going to, whether it tells you to do it or not to do it, I'm just going to do what I want to do because I want to enjoy the phone. I want to use the, the, the phone for playing some game. I want to get in touch with my friends. I want to watch some videos. I want to enjoy the good stuff. Sure, okay, I agree, fine, without really knowing what it says. And sometimes in the Christian walk, we just want the good stuff. We want the blessings. We want the blessings of God. And we want that joy. The Bible talks about joy. I want that joy. Sure, okay. I want peace. Sure, okay, I agree. We want the love of God in our lives. Sure, okay, I agree. But there are terms and conditions. There are terms and conditions if we want the blessings of God, if we want the joy of God, if we want the peace of God, if we want the love of God. And the terms and conditions are called the Word of God. God gives to us His terms and conditions. I have love available for you, but there are terms and conditions. I have peace available for you, but there are terms and conditions. I have joy available for you, but there are terms and conditions. I have blessings available for you, but there are terms and conditions. And we need to understand that there are terms and conditions. Sometimes we just want the the blessings, and we want the joy, and we want the peace, and we want all of the good things without understanding that there are terms and conditions. But I believe that when we see also the Lord the terms and conditions are not a big deal. When we see also the Lord, the terms and conditions are not a big deal. Not to say that they're easy to do, but that's okay. We'll agree with that. Thirdly, I see that when we see also the Lord, we secure a purpose. Verse number nine says, And he said, Go and tell this people. When we see also the Lord, we see a purpose. We see our purpose. If you're a member of this church, there are needs here. In our church, in our communities, there are needs. If you're a member of a family, your family has needs. If you're a member of a workplace or a member of a community, there are needs. God, I believe, is telling to us, go. Go there. I have something for you to do there. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Who hath called us, who has saved us, and called us with an holy calling. God has called us to a holy calling, and he gives it to us in a place. Go and tell this people. God gave to Isaiah the place where he should go. God says, I need to send somebody and I'm going to send you here. Your place is here. Your purpose is here. We seize the possibility and we have a purpose in a place. In our place. Because there are no spare parts with God. 
When you make yourself available to God, God will give you a place. Because there's no spare parts with God. When I moved here uh, just, uh, just under two months ago, we came and, and we needed some furniture. And so I went to the good old reliable Ikea and I bought a few things. And I bought a set of bookshelves. I bought a couple of bookshelves and they're sitting in my living room. And so I got them. And, uh, you know, you, it comes in a bunch of boxes and you open up all the boxes. You lay out all the pieces. And there's a little bag with all of the little screws and wooden dowels and Allen wrench. All of these different parts that you need. Uh, to put this together and you pull out the instructions and you start putting this thing together and so I started putting it together my dad was here at the time and so we put this together and uh, we put it up and I realized that there are no extra pieces there nothing so if you lose a piece you're in trouble if some piece rolled underneath the couch and you can't find it you're in trouble but I realized that there's no extra pieces but we didn't have time to set up the rest, and, and uh, you know, my dad had to leave. And, and so uh, in the next several days after that, I had to set up the remaining two by myself. And uh, you know, sometimes you get a little lazy. And I thought, I've done this before, so I don't really need the instructions. I, I know exactly where I'm supposed to put all these pieces. And so I started putting everything together, and I put this bookshelf together. I put it up, and I looked back in the bag, and there's still a couple pieces in there. And I was thinking, where are these pieces supposed to be? They're not supposed to be here because I built the other one. And they're in the bookshelf somewhere. These pieces, though, are not yet in the bookshelf. I'm looking around for all of the little... There's, there's nothing available. But they have a place. They're not in their place. But they have a place. And they should be there. And we have a place, too. God doesn't leave any parts left in the bag. He uses them all. He has a place for every single one. If you're a member here, there's a place for you. It's not like God's leaving you in the bag. Well, I got a place for uh, this man, and I got a place for this woman, and I got a place for these children, and I got a place for these people, but, oh, I, I, sorry, I'm going to have to leave you in the bag. No, God has a place for you. God has a place for you if you're a member of this church right here in this church. There's a place for you. God has a place for you. If you're not yet a member, maybe you should become a member so that you could have a place right here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. God takes every single member, puts them together in a church body, so that they could work the mission of God. God has a place for you. And if you will see also the Lord and make yourself available, God will give you a purpose in your place with preaching. Verse number 9 says, And he said, Go and tell this people. Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. God gave to Isaiah a message. It may not have been a message that they wanted to hear, but it was the message that they needed to hear. And when we follow the Lord, we also get a message. We also have news to tell to others. And it may not be the message that they want to hear, but it's a message that they need to hear. 
And the message is that of the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God has given to us a message. The message of Jesus Christ. The message of salvation. The message of the reason for this season. Jesus Christ is here. And he's here for a reason. He's not here just to spend time. He, what, he didn't come on a vacation. He came with a purpose. He came to seek and to save. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And he has given us the message to spread to others. And we have a place if we will give ourselves to the Lord. And he will give a message for us to spread in that place. The song Jesus Saves, if you read the lyrics, says, We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the ways. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And we have that same message today. That Jesus saves. It was true 2,000 years ago. And it's true today. And also for a period. Then said I, Lord, how long? You hear that question a lot, right? Kids like to ask that question. How long do I have to do this? How long do I have to do that? How long? And Isaiah asked the question to the Lord. Wow, God, you're telling me that I need to tell these people that hearing you're not hearing and seeing, this probably isn't very popular message. How long do I have to keep giving this message? How long? Verse 11 says, And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. Until there is nobody left to tell, you keep giving that message. And the same is true for for us and our message. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. How long do we keep giving this message? Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant. And until the houses be without man. And until the land be utterly desolate, we will continue to spread the message, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Tomorrow morning, when you go to work, look around you and see how many people you pass by. Our city is not desolate. The houses are still full of people. There are still people driving to work and driving home after work. There's still people on Sunday driving around, running their errands. There are many people to tell. How long should we tell the message? Until there's nobody left to tell. Until there's nobody left to be saved. Until there's nobody left that needs saving. We have a message. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. So do you see also the Lord? high and lifted up, sitting on his throne. I believe that if we saw also the Lord, we would see with perspective who we really are and who people really are and see that Jesus still saves. And when we see also the Lord, we seize the possibility that God offers to us an invitation to serve him, to work for him. And we can take that invitation 
and we can secure a purpose in our place with preaching the gospel for a period that God gives to us while we're, while we're still here on earth. Do you see also the Lord?